Few of us would argue with the fact that we are busy people. It seems as the generations go along, people continue to get busier. Every, it's like every piece of technology that's invented doesn't help us be less busy. It seems to create an atmosphere where we're more busy. We tend to use language like, you know, my plate is full. I can't take on anything else. I'm up to my neck in, in work, and I'll never get over it. What intrigues me is that as we say that, at the same time, there is, I think, deep within our hearts, a yearning for relief from that. A yearning, a desire for rest, to, to stop the madness, slow down the wheel. And you would think that when you put together the combination of living lives of busyness and at the same time having a yearning for rest, that of all the commandments, the fourth commandment would be the one that we would say, that's the one I want to spend time with. You would think that that would be our favorite one. Every one of us would, ought to be jumping and chomping at the bit to say, I want to live like that commandment teaches. Remember the Sabbath. What's so fascinating to me is that's not our response to it. Most of the time, we either politely ignore the commandment or we violently oppose it. And of all the commandments that you would think we would gravitate toward, it is often the one commandment that we run away from. And as I've been pondering that, I'm thinking to myself, why do we do that? I mean, it's not logical. It doesn't make any sense. Why do we run away from the, from the, the Word of God that we need the most and that it touches a yearning in us? And I've come to the conclusion that there are a couple of reasons why we struggle to live that fourth commandment. I think one of the reasons that we struggle to, to observe the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath, is that we really aren't sure what observing the Sabbath looks like. What does it mean to observe the Sabbath? What, what does that day look like of keeping the Sabbath? Part of the reason we struggle with that question is because we tend to have, at least if you grew up in certain sections of the church, have ne- very negative feelings about the whole idea of Sabbath. I mean, that's how I was raised. You know, we, basically it was a day of restrictions. And actually, I had it better than my parents in the home that they were raised in. And I, I didn't like Sunday. I didn't like the whole day thing about Sabbath. As a child, it was the worst day of the week. Couldn't do anything. You know, I mean, go to church and take a nap. That was pretty much it. Not real appealing to a child. And I think because of those negative feelings, we've gotten confused about what this day is all about. You know, it's not just in the church, though. I mean, even society, as the church has influenced it, there are all kinds of laws that have been, some still are, on the books of certain states about the Sabbath. I read about years ago, a sailor had been out in the sea for two years, came home, was walking up the sidewalk to his house, 
His wife saw him, ran out, met him at the gate, and kissed him. Somebody saw that happen, and the guy was arrested and put in stocks because there was a law that said you couldn't kiss your wife on the Sunday. No wonder we struggle with that day. And we have all of these negative feelings, these confusing ideas about what it means. But God says this day is not about bondage, it's about freedom. When you look at Deuteronomy, he says, I want you to keep the Sabbath. And one of the reasons for that is because you were slaves in Egypt. And I brought you out of that. I rescued you. You're not bondage anymore. You're free. And because you're free, remember the Sabbath. And when you remember the Sabbath, you remember that you're free. Now, let me just take a second to say, God, God abhors slavery. And, you know, when God created human beings, the last thing he wanted was for any human being to be enslaved to anyone else. He created us to be free. But because of human sinfulness... Slavery became an institution far too accepted and far too ingrained into society. In the ancient world and unfortunately still in our world. But it was so ingrained into that society and every culture that God couldn't simply say to Israel, all right, no more slaves. Their minds couldn't comprehend that. So he has to gradually bring them out of that mindset, as he does with many other things, into the place where they can see his ideal of everyone being free. So he doesn't say, all right, let's end all the slavery, but he does say to them, if you're going to have slaves, you better be the best masters a slave ever had. And that includes giving them a day of rest. I mean, he's he's very clear. It's not just for you to get rest, it's for your manservants and your maidservants and even the animals get rest because you're free and you remember what it was like in Egypt to not be able to rest to be a slave and to work seven days a week 24 hours a day 365 days a year to be under the tyranny and the whim of your master and and you as a people are not going to operate that way Because my people are about freedom, not bondage. And this is true in the spiritual realm as well. That's why as Christians, we celebrate and come together and observe the Sabbath on Sunday instead of on Saturday. It seems to be in the early church, the early days of the church, that those who were Jews began on, they they commemorated Saturday and Sunday. And they commemorated Sunday as the Lord's Day. Because that's the day Jesus rose from the grave. And in his resurrection brought life to his people. And as the years progressed and the church became much more, part, much more of the Gentiles, Saturday was no longer observed and it became just Sunday. The Lord's Day. That's a day of freedom, not bondage. It's a day when we remember we have been set free through the resurrection of Christ. And we put off the bondage of sin. And this day is not nearly so much about what we can't do as what we can do. It's a day set aside to cease from the regular time-consuming, energy-draining activities of our work week. 
And that's what Sabbath means. It means to rest, to stop, to cease. And that's what we're called to do on this day. So what does that look like? Eugene Peterson says that every, every commemoration of the Sabbath ought to have two elements to it. One is pray. We ought to be praying on the Sabbath. And that you could interpret as worship. Or even bigger, spending time with God. We come together on Sunday. We worship God. We pray together. This is a time where, we, where we're able to, to forget about all of the stuff that plagues us throughout the week, all the pressures of work that squeeze in upon us, all the demands of six days. And on this day, we stop. And we have time on this day to think intensely about God in ways that we can't on the other days because we don't have the time or the energy. And worship ought to be a part of this day. We need worship because we live such busy lives and we live with so much noise in our lives. I don't even think we realize all the noise of our lives. A lot of it's, you know, what's called white noise. It's stuff we don't even notice. And technology has not helped us. We think technology is helping us in some ways, and it probably is. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm not sure it's helping us. I I was really tempted this morning to have someone call me on my cell phone in the middle of the sermon. And, and to take the call and walk back there in just a second and walk back and talk to them for a few moments. I decided I wouldn't do that, but I'd tell you about it. You get the picture, right? You know, the stuff drives us. We're slaves of these things. And we need silence. We need some time to be able to think about God and about ourselves and about one another and about the big things of life and the big things of God and the big things of what it means to be a follower of God that you simply can't do with the bits of time that we have on the other six days when everything's pressing in upon us. We need to do it corporately together. We need time. We need silence. The 46th Psalm has always been one of my favorites. And in that psalm, you know, the writer's talking about how the world is caving in. Everything's falling apart. The mountains are crashing into the sea and the city's in turmoil. and Everything is a mess. And you can feel the stress and the pressure as you read that psalm. And then you come to verse 10. And the writer says, here's the solution. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I don't think we can truly know God until we have some silence, until we have some time away from the busyness and the pressures and the stress of the other six days. We need to be people of worship, Thomas Merton said, busyness is the violence we do to ourselves. We need to get away from that. And that ought to be a part of of our day, both corporately and individually, in ways that we simply cannot do on the other days of the week. 
But Peterson says this day is, also, is not just about to be a time to pray. It also should be a time to play. Play. Now they're looking at me like, what? That's what I thought when I read that. I thought, play? Sunday play. Those are, those are all, that's almost like an oxymoron to say Sunday play. You know, that's how I felt as a child growing up. But the point is, we need a break. We don't just need time to stop from the week because of things spiritual. We need to stop from the things of the week because of things physical, mental, emotional, relational. And we need time to pull back from all of that stuff and to play. Even even the researchers in the secular world are saying, you can't drive people like that. People need time to back away. It's not healthy. They're not as productive. People need a break. And without a break, we're a lot like a rubber band that is stretched tight around a stack of books. And you leave it there for days and weeks and months until eventually it loses its elasticity. And you take it off and throw it away. We need to be people who see this day as a day of joy, as a gift from God. I don't know what exactly that will mean for you because joy comes to us in different ways. For some people, piddling around in the garden is work. But for other people, piddling around the garden is is joyful. It's relaxing. For other people, taking a walk is work. But for others, it's like breathing in fresh air. And you have to figure out what those things are. You know. You know what brings joy to you. And it's giving our time to those. I suspect that a a big part of of the joyful experiences with God in taking the Sabbath are related to experiencing His creation. His creative force in the world and in one another. You know, when you work, and when you work, you live with your, with your head down. And a lot of us go through the week with our heads down, and we're just concentrating on what we're doing. Sabbath is an opportunity to lift our heads. To lift our heads this way, and to lift our heads this way, and to turn them around, and to see the beauty of God's creation, and the intricacies of God's creation, that we just walk past when we're stressed and when work is pressing in upon us. And if we don't take the time to do that, we won't do it. God knows that. It intrigues me that when you when you look at creation, you find in it God's handiwork in ways that you don't see in other things. You see it in other people. You, you see it in, in the trees and, and in the flowers and in the animals. And there's something about taking time to see what God has done that relaxes us 
and renews us. You know, I, I have a, a little palm and a PDA, and sometimes it kind of goes crazy or it locks up. And the solution to that is to flip it over, and there's a little hole in the back, and I take the stylus and I push it into that hole. And you do that. When you do that, it's called resetting it. And it kicks off and kicks back on and it's back to normal again. And I think there's something of God wanting to reset us that can only take place when we stop and keep the Sabbath. The problem is trying to keep that in balance, the prayer and the, and the play. Years ago, and sometimes and through our history, we have emphasized prayer and said it's about praying and it's not about playing. And we end up making rules and regulations. And the problem is, the minute you do that, you end up looking like the Pharisees, who I'm astounded, because of something Jesus does on the Sabbath to help someone, their response is to go out and to plot his assassination. Something isn't right. And when we, when we say it's all, about, it's all about praying and not about playing, we end up corrupting the praying part of things. Because worship and being with God really is about us. It's making sure we follow rules and regulations. As long as you follow those, then you're okay. And we forget it's not about the rules and regulations. It's about God. But I suspect for most of us, we probably in this generation go the other way. Our problem is we too easily throw out prayer and worship. You know, something more exciting, something more inviting, something more interesting comes along and we run after that because it looks like fun play. Even if it means, well, I'm not in worship, I'm not really spending time thinking about God, I'll do that later. What I find so fascinating is that when we throw out prayer and concentrate on playing, we end up corrupting our play too. It just becomes one more thing that we do. We have to play a little bit harder. It has to be a little bit more exciting. Do one more thing. And pretty soon, play becomes our master. And we're slaves to it. And we've totally lost what we need to know. And what we need to do. The key is in the balance of living lives focused on God and enjoying His gifts. But the struggle we have with the Sabbath is not just about what the day looks like. I think probably our deepest struggle with the Sabbath is trusting God. Trusting God that, that work, what we accomplish, what we achieve, isn't really what defines us. That what defines us is our relationship with God. I saw commercials recently. I was intrigued because I saw two totally, two different companies, their commercials, and they both began them with the same question. Why do we work? Why do we work? 
What a great question to ask. It's kind of shaming sometimes, but it's a great question to ask. Do we work because we want people to notice us? Because we want accolades? Because we need to maintain our standard of living that we've gotten ourselves into? Because we just love money? Why do we work? God says to us, Your work is not the end. Your work is a gift from from me, and and work is a gift. And he's not calling us to be lazy. He's calling us to work hard on those six days. He's simply saying your work cannot define who you are. If it does, you'll never stop. I read recently that 30% of employed adults in America give back their vacation time every year. 415 million hours of vacation time are never used by American employees. I don't know exactly why people don't use that vacation, but I suspect it's because they are saying to themselves, I, this is just too important to me to not, take, to not stay here. I can't go on vacation. I can't give this up. And for us as Christians, it's about not trusting God that keeping the Sabbath is better than working seven days a week. I think it means that we have to trust that God will supply our needs. God will help us accomplish what we need to do in six days that we think we need seven. That God can do more for us and in us and through us with Him in six days than we can do on our own in seven days. That's hard to come to grips with. I tell you, I, I, I wrestle with that. There's always one more thing to do. And it's not just quantity, it's quality. There's always a little more polishing you can do. A lot, always a, a little bit more you can study. A little bit more you can write. A little bit more you can, you can accomplish. And God is saying, but six days is enough. But even beyond that, even beyond that God can get, help us accomplish what we need to do in six days more than we can on our own in seven, let's take that even a level deeper and say, what I'm able to accomplish on six days is good enough. That's okay. If work is what defines us, then we'll never settle for that. But if our life is about God, then at some point we have to trust that six days is enough. I know that there are circumstances that arise, there are emergencies that come up, there are jobs that you have. People have to work on Sunday. So the question is, what other day is your Sabbath? What other day is my Sabbath? And for some people, their life is in a situation where you can't even take a whole day. So do you take, you have to take blocks of time. But you find a place for Sabbath. Because it's a means of declaring that we trust God. That what we can do in six days or the equivalent of it is enough. 
Because here's the bottom line. God is less interested in what we do than he is in us. God doesn't love us more because we accomplish more. God doesn't love us less because we accomplish less. He just loves us. And we are not defined by what we do. We are defined by our relationship with God. By being his creation. That's who we are. You know, we had a dedication earlier in the second service today, and we read the passage from Mark's gospel where the people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, and the disciples, you know, told the kids to get out of there, and Jesus is angry. I mean, it's a strong word. He's indignant. And he says to the disciples, you leave those children alone, and you let them come to me. The kingdom of God is about these children like this. And I think some of what Jesus is saying is, you know, children, they, they don't have much productivity in the world. Little children aren't going to achieve great things when they're little children. But still, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom's about. It's about people who want to come to me and sit on my lap and spend time with me and let me love them. Not because they can do something for me, but just because they are. And at some point, we have to come to the realization that we are more important to God than anything we could ever accomplish. Even anything we could accomplish for God. We are more important. Just like we are. God loves us. And until we get that into our minds or begin to I think Sabbath will always be a tough thing for us. But it's what God calls us to be and to do. You know, the clothes are kind of an interesting thing. You know, they they sort of, fashions come and go. and, And sometimes we, you know, we feel like we're a little bit defined by what we wear. We all have clothes that we wear when we work. Things that we do. You know, they're all different. You know, sometimes it might be a suit and tie. Sometimes it's shorts and a t-shirt. But, but there are clothes that we wear when we work. I was thinking about this with something I read this week and it, it triggered my thoughts. Back to when I was younger, high school age, and some of the clothes of the 70s. You know, and it particularly reminded me of probably what some people would consider of all the fashion mistakes of the 70s and early 80s, that leisure suits probably were at the top of the list. Some of you are too young and you don't know what leisure suits are, but, you know, wide lapels, paisley shirts, powder blue, burnt orange colors, you know. And as I was reading this article, they were saying, you know what, you have all these clothes that you wear to work. And, and you identify your work with those clothes. Maybe what we ought to think about when it comes to Sabbath is putting on Sunday mornings our leisure suit. And to say, God, thank you for a break. 
Thank you for the gift of this day, a gift of leisurely time to worship, to think about you, to play, to experience newfound joy as your child in this world. I pray that God will give you and me courage to keep the Sabbath and to make it holy, an uncommon day among six common days. Holy Father, give us courage. Give us strength. And make us people who keep the Sabbath because we realize that we are more important to you than anything we could ever do. Through Christ Jesus. Amen.